Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews. Coming up on NBA Today, our continued coverage on the Robert Sarver suspension and an update on Brittany Griner as the president is set to meet with her family today. Plus, players and teams that you should not sleep on this season. We debut a new segment and it is called Don't Sleep. And Michael Jordan's last dance jersey sold for how much? All of that and more. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews alongside our reporter Ace Baxter-Holmes. And we start with some news today that sponsors, they're beginning to separate themselves from the Phoenix Suns in the wake of the NBA's investigation into owner Robert Sarver's racist and misogynistic comments and behavior. PayPal. That is the team's Jersey Patch sponsor, said Friday it would not be renewing its partnership with the team should Sarber return to his role after his one-year suspension. And this, what you're seeing on your screen right now, is part of a statement that was made by PayPal CEO and President Dan Schulman. So, Baxter, what is the significance of this? It's very significant. We talked about on the show the last couple days concern internally in the fallout of the NBA's findings of sponsors beginning to flee and, and wanting to smooth things over with them. This is kind of the first domino um, in, that, in that respect. Obviously, you look back to the situation with Donald Sterling. I think at least a dozen sponsors fled the team uh, in the fallout of that. I've, I've talked about the intensifying uh, uh, concern internally about losing sponsors in the wake of LeBron James and Chris Paul's tweets. Um, here we have this today. I know that they're, as of this morning, there's, there's more concern about other big-name sponsors, certainly um, a Jersey Patch sponsor, and, you, and uh, I would, uh, according to sources, I'm told, uh, $3 million in revenue to the team last year. So it's, it's significant. Hmm, that's interesting, and you have to imagine the question now is could this be a domino for other sponsors to potentially pull out here? And all of this, Baxter, right, it comes within hours of minority owner John Najafi calling for Sarver to resign. And as you all can see here, this is just a part of his statement. I am calling for the resignation of Robert Sarver. So what kind of weight, Baxter, does his specific statement hold? It holds a lot of weight. First of all, th this is the second largest stakeholder in the team behind Robert Sarver. Second largest. Yes. And then uh, also to, to go back, when the story, when our story was initially released in November of 2021, the Suns released a statement um, with a number of the minority owners signing in support of Robert Sarver. John Najafi was not one of those. Hmm. In fact, he released his own statement uh, saying that he was you know, uh, uh, very concerned about the nature of the allegations and concerned for the employees and wanting to do whatever he could uh, to try to help them and help the investigation along and so forth. So this is significant. And there was one line in his statement that really struck me. It was, in, it was the only line that was in all caps and it said, words and actions matter. And we talked a lot about animus, uh, which was a key word in the uh, NBA's, in the investigation report. Adam Silver was asked about it a lot. You know, what did someone really mean? The fact that he included that, I thought, 
it, it, it was striking. Yeah, it was, it was almost your interpretation when looking at it that perhaps that could be in direct response. Again, just sort of thinking through what just having that specifically in all caps could mean. So we, we've talked about statements made by the PayPal CEO, now by the majority owner who has the second largest stake. Something else to note, Phoenix Mayor, this, this is interesting, the a statement was also issued, as you can see here. We, like many others in our community, are appalled by the actions substantiated in the MBA's independent investigation into Phoenix Sun's managing partner, Robert Sarver. We have asked city staff to investigate any actions we as leaders of the city of Phoenix can take in light of the details substantiated in that report. And, and, and that's interesting to me because remember, as we continue to look at this statement here, it was the city, right, Baxter, that put some money into uh, the, the new arena that the Suns built. Yeah, if you remember, uh, not even that long ago, and I know one of the things that people talked about was the, the woman named Greta who got up before the city council and made some strong remarks about uh, uh, Robert Sarver at the time, but there was a lot of contentious back and forth about the money for the arena and whatnot. So the city does have a stake financially um, in this in a way. Interesting. All right, I do want to bring in our Zach Lowe and Kendrick Perkins into this discussion. Good morning, gentlemen, or good afternoon on the coast that you are on, Zach. Uh, what do you make of this, Zach, as we continue to hear not only of minority owners making statements, but now sponsors are pulling out? Two things. The first is last season, as the story was published and unfolded, the team kind of internally, the players and the coaches made a decision. We're going to address it. We're going to address it head on, and then we're putting it over here. We're playing for each other. We're playing for a championship. And it kind of went away for a while. I think there were some people who thought even when this report came out, that would happen again. And more and more, even before PayPal today, even before LeBron and Chris Paul tweeted, there was a sense that this is just not going to go away. And I think the avalanche of news since then, starting with LeBron's tweet into Adam Silver's press conference, into the stuff you guys just talked about, this isn't going to go away. And I've had more than one source close to the team say some variation of, he just can't walk back in there, Robert Sarver, a year from now like nothing ever happened. That's just not an option anymore. The second thing is I'm interested in what happens with some of the gender discrimination issues that this report very clearly raised. Mm. Things that seemed legally dubious to a lay person like me. Telling a pregnant woman that her pregnancy may jeopardize her career or at least implying that. Saying, Robert Sarver saying, why do all the women around here cry so much? Lewd comments over and over again about women's bodies, the bodies of, uh, of female staffers, all that stuff seemed to me to create a hostile work environment, to raise discrimination claims. And I ran that stuff by three high-powered attorneys yesterday who deal in this area, and they said, look, there are statute of limitations issues that may prohibit some of these victims, alleged victims, from raising those claims. But boy, oh boy, had they raised them in a timely fashion, they would have been strong cases. A plaintiff's lawyer could have been built very strong cases. I'm just interested to see if there's any sort of fallout from that. Interesting. Uh, Perk, the last time that we spoke, you were saying that fair or unfair, it may fall on the players here to continue to push further action. And since then, we've heard from Chris Paul, we've heard from LeBron James, but we have not heard from you. What have you made of all of this? Well, <clears throat> we knew this was going to happen, right? And it's, it's almost like, you know, when you used to go 
go to school and you used to go to recess and you had those certain kids that would just come in and they would be musty, okay? And this is what's happening right now with Robert Sarve and the Phoenix Suns. They're musty and no one wants to be around them. They're going to get far as away from them as possible until they find a way to put some deodorant on. You know what the deodorant is, Malika? The deodorant is getting him out because nobody's wanted want to be affiliated with this organization whatsoever. And Locus, he's the owner of the organization. They're going to start to distance themselves. They're going to start to lose money, as we already seen today. And we all know, yes, the NBA is entertainment to everybody, and rightfully so. We know that it's a job, but we know that the NBA, just like any other corporation in business, they're about making money. And if you're a person that's causing the NBA, along with the organization, to lose out on money, you I guarantee you that Adam Silver and the rest of the owners are going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to have another meeting to reevaluate this whole situation. Uh, Baxter, you and Zach had a really interesting podcast that you all recorded recently. And as I was listening to it on my drive in today, and, and Zach, you made the point that there is a distinction here between banning an owner for life and forcing them to sell the team. I'm wondering if you can explain what stood out to you there. Yeah, a lot of people conflate banning or suspending an owner indefinitely with, well, that's the same thing as making an owner sell the team. And those are different things. You can suspend an owner. Robert Sarver's just been suspended for one year. You can ban an owner like Adam Silver banned Donald Sterling. Banning, suspending, those don't take away the team from that person. Now, we've never had a situation for very long where someone was banned for life and still owned the team. That seems untenable, but legally it is possible to be banned, to be kicked out of the arena, be kicked out of the team's operations, and still control the asset. Forcing an owner to sell the team not just suspending him, forcing him to sell the team involves a very rigorous and complicated process, at least in the NBA bylaws version, where three quarters of the other owners have to vote that person out. And I don't think the league wants to go through that process for a whole bunch of reasons, including because the owner in question could turn around and sue the league and open up all sorts of Pandora's boxes. The reason they were able to force Donald Sterling out was they didn't have to go past, didn't have to go through that process because his wife took control of the team from him and sold it without his go-ahead. So it's a very complicated thing, but you can be banned or suspended and still own the team. They're different things. Yeah, that, that, that's very interesting. We do have an interview coming up later in our show today with the MBPA uh, executive director, Tamika Tamalio, and I expect her to address some of these things in that conversation. Uh, still to come as well on NBA Today, we do have highlights from France and Poland as they look to move on to the Eurobasket finals that are this weekend. Do not miss that. Plus, we also break down how the Sun, they extended the series last night and what they need to do to force a Game 5 in the WNBA Finals. And we, we heard there may be a new billion-dollar man in the NBA, so details on Steph Curry's potential lifetime deal. We will keep it locked. NBA Today will be back after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. 
The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to NBA Today. Now it's time for today's WNBA Corner presented by Google. So here's today's search trend provided by Google. Searches for WNBA Finals, they spiked 1,400% over the last week. And the drama of the series, it just got kicked up another notch. And that's thanks to Alyssa Thomas and the Connecticut Sun. So Alyssa Thomas, she finished with 16 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, Posting the first ever triple-double in WNBA Finals history. That was Thursday. The Sun, they beat the Aces 105-76 in Game 3. It's a best-of-five series after losing the first two games that were back in Las Vegas. Thomas also became the first WNBA player in history to record three triple-doubles in a season between the regular season and the playoffs. And she's the first player with at least 15 rebounds and 10 assists in a WNBA playoff game. So let me get out of the way. Here's Alyssa Thomas after her huge night. Um, That's what I've been doing all season. Um, We've been struggling offensively and finally got a game back at home and, and my teammates were hitting shots. So none of this is ever possible without them. She's the she's the toughness to our team. Like really, when you say the engine, she's the engine. Like we don't use that loosely. So uh, shout out to her. And we just was able to hit a couple shots tonight. So she can get her triple double. So she needs to thank me. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. She's a beast. You know, I went to a UFC fight the other night. <laughs> I would not want to get in the cage with her. She is just tough. They just kicked our ass in every way possible. There's no no two ways about it. If there was a stat on mental toughness and physicality, they would have kicked us there, too. I love that. Saying hello now to ESPN WNBA analyst Roz Gould on Wude. And, I mean, we just show it. It was the Alyssa Thomas show last night. But how exactly does she fuel the sun? She is such a competitor. Mm. And that toughness they talk about, it, it's not only physical, it's mental. And for her, she gets them going on the offensive end, gets them out into pace. A lot of times it comes off of her rebound, her defense. And then she gets it and can go with it herself. When she gets to the middle part point of the court, she either can go all the way for herself. She's a great playmaker. She has great vision, head on a swivel. And she makes her teammates better. Defensively, don't forget, too, she was the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year. Mm. She's on the 
other team's best player. She's on them on ball. She's in passing lanes. She rebounds. She is what makes the Sun physical, tough, competitive. You heard Bucky say she's tough. Her teammates call her the engine. And Kurt Miller, after game three, he said, not only is she the toughest player mm. I've ever coached, she's the most consistent. She brings that every day, and she doesn't know any other way. Oh, and her grit was on full display mm -hmm. last night. I was watching it on my iPhone as I was waiting to go to a Broadway show. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't believe this is going down Not you right with now. basketball and Broadway. I know. That, oh. I mean, that, that, that is me kind of wrapped up <laughs> wrapped in the ball up, okay. right there. Uh, on the other side of the ball, though, Chelsea, Chelsea Gray putting together what multiple people, right, have called the greatest postseason run in WNBA history. However, uh, last night, the Sun, they were able to hold her to a playoff low, 11 points in mm -hmm. a game. So how was Connecticut able to slow her down? They made an adjustment. Dewana Bonner. Let's, let's go to the tape. I, I, I love watching some, you. Oh, come on. Let's get, let's some, let's get some, let's some tape here on Dewana Bonner. I asked her what she focused on on Chelsea Gray. She said, I wanted to use my length. She's 6'4 with a 7'4 wingspan, and Chelsea Gray is 5'11. Dewana Bonner also has the foot speed to pressure and recover against Chelsea Gray. And she wasn't reacting. She was dictating, sending her into huge traffic. That's John Cole Jones and Alyssa on the ball. Okay, another thing that Dewana Bonner did well, she used her length to take away angles and vision of Chelsea Gray. You'll also notice Chelsea couldn't get to her spots. All these plays are outside the three-point line. And then that helped fuel the pace and also fuel the offense of Dewana Bonner, who had been struggling throughout the series. Mm. One more thing I wanted to point out. She said after game three, it was nice to sleep in her own bed. Yeah. Okay, so I was with them in the semifinals covering the games. And they actually left after forcing a game five versus Chicago. They left Connecticut. That was Tuesday, September 6th, packed for seven to eight days. Whatever, whatever happened, they were ready for. They basically went from game five in Chicago yeah. straight to Vegas to start the WNBA finals for game tough. one, game two. They just now finally got back home with no breaks or anything to, to like just recover with. Finally got home for game three, and, and that did wear on them. Well, let's take a look at Dewana Bonner's numbers because they, they were pretty impressive. And I, I guess my question to you when I'm, when I'm looking at this, the game one and two versus game three disparity, how can they get that more of that game three from her in order to force a game five? I think it starts with her working on the defensive end. And when I speak with Tadawana Bonner, she talks about being aggressive, getting to the cup, getting to the free throw line, working for rebounds, and also getting some mojo off of big defensive stops. And I think that got her going in game three. Yeah, and getting a little bit of swag off of D. They always say, Defense, good defense, it leads to good offense, and we need to see that in Game 4. Speaking of Game 4, I know you are going to be all over that. Game 4 of this best-of-five WNBA Finals between the Sun and Aces will be Sunday afternoon, 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific on ESPN, and the app WNBA Countdown will tip us all off at 3 Eastern. And Roz, we'll check in with you next week to see if we are going to a Game 5, baby. Still to come on NBA Today, president of the NBA PA, Tamika Tramalio, joins the show to speak about the Robert Sarver suspension. Plus, we debut a new segment. It is called Don't Sleep. So which team and players deserve just a little bit more love over the course of the season? And just how much is Michael Jordan's last dance game worth the Jay-Morn jersey cost? We're talking about millions. That's next on NBA Today. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're watching NBA Today. We continue to cover the reaction to the NBA's one-year suspension of Suns owner Robert Sarver. And joining us now, MBPA Executive Director Tamika Tremalio. Tamika, just thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I wanted to start here, if we could. You issued a statement saying that you, quote, strongly believe that Mr. Sarver should never hold a managerial position within our league again. So to be clear... Are you calling for Robert Sarver to be banned for life from the NBA? Thank you very much. And again, thank you for having me. And absolutely, I we are absolutely calling for that. We do not want him to be in a position where he is managing or engaging with individuals who are engaging with our players or our players themselves. We are absolutely clear from the findings that are in that report that we do not want him to be in that position. So you're saying we, and you're the executive director of the MBPA. Are you speaking on behalf of players or what is the MBPA? role in advocating for more severe actions taken against Robert Sarver beyond the one-year suspension and fine. No, absolutely. So yes, as the executive director of the MBPA, I am speaking on behalf of our players. It is our players' desire that while we understand that there has been a thorough investigation and we're very pleased that the NBA was able to follow through on that because that's clearly something that we want to see happen, we also want to make it very clear that we do not want him back in a position where he will be impacting our players and those who serve our players on a daily basis. So what conversations have you had with players and what sentiments have they shared with you that led you to this overall conclusion that all players, that the players' position is that they would like Mr. Sarver removed? Yeah, so I've had many conversations with our players over the last 48, 72 hours, and it is very clear after our review of the report from Wachtell Lipton, as well as the press release, that this is something that we absolutely do not condone. We in no way want him to be back in a position where he's engaging. Tamika, have current or former players of any team recounted to you witnessing or being the targets of Mr. Sarver's behaviors? And if so, what specifics can you share? Yes, so obviously there have been many conversations with our player. I'm not at liberty, obviously, to disclose that, but I have not had any conversations specifically as it relates to actual engagement with our players. So we appreciate you, Tamika, being here speaking on behalf of the MBPA, but 
in two weeks, players, they're going to be holding news conferences. They're going to be asked pointed questions about Robert, Robert Sarver. We've heard from LeBron James. We've heard from Chris Paul. We're hearing from you on behalf of the players. But what conversations are you having with them about their role in responding to Commissioner Adam Silver's ruling specifically? Yeah, so we have been very clear that our players will have their own opinions and certainly have the right to voice their own opinions. Obviously, our president, C.J. McCollum, has allowed me to speak on behalf of our union in terms of what we want collectively as the players. But certainly LeBron, Chris Paul, others are absolutely in a position to opine on those things that impact them and the way in which they feel about the things that have occurred. You, you also said in your statement to our Mark Spears, Tamika, that, quote, I made my position to Adam Silver regarding my thoughts on the extent of the punishment known. How open was he to yours and others thoughts about changing the decision of it being a one year suspension? Yes. So thank you. I did absolutely have that conversation with Adam and I was very clear of what our expectations are. I think, you know, Adam has been very willing to hear me as well as hear others. And I think he's also had several conversations with our players as well. Um, I, I don't know how open he is in terms of, you know, actually wanting to make the change. I think it is our hope um, that it will be very clear that Mr. Sarver should not be in a position to be able to come back and be in a managerial position. I think we've heard from other owners. We've heard from sponsors, et cetera. And I think it's pretty clear that there is no expectation of him returning. You mentioned we have at this point, we have heard from sponsors like PayPal. We've heard from a minority owner of the Phoenix Suns. We've heard from a former MBPA president. We've heard from arguably the face of the league in LeBron James. And yet, as we sit here today, right now, the one year suspension is still what is in effect. Are there discussions about players boycotting games in the hopes of changing that? We have not had those discussions as of yet. As you can imagine, just like you mentioned, we are all gearing up for a season. You know, we have media day coming up. We have training camp about to start. And our players are really focused on playing the game of basketball and engaging with our fans. And so to some extent, there has not been any discussion around that. But I think it is very clear that our players are incredibly upset about what has occurred. Their hearts go out to the families and all of the individuals who have actually had to endure this for such a long period of time. Um, but at the same time, they recognize that they have a job to do and they're really excited about getting and moving forward with this season. Tamika, thank you so much for spending a bit of time with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's great to see you. Always good to see you. Still to come on NBA Today, see how Rudy Gobert in France did against Poland in today's semifinal matchup. Don't go anywhere. NBA Today rolls on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a rocking and rolling Berlin, Germany. This is the FIBA Eurobasket. This result is going to resonate. It's going to shock Europe. Italy have won over Serbia. They advanced to the quarterfinals. That, that was a legit shot to the face. Right, so he's gone. You get two unsportsman likes, you're gone. They had high expectations and high hopes. Luka Doncic has picked up his fifth foul. He is gone. Poland have pulled off the shot of the FIBA Euro basket. They have stunned the defending champions. Knockout stage tournament basketball. Anything can happen. So no Luka, no Joker, no Giannis, but we've got Rudy Hooper. Who do we have, Rudy? Rudy Gobert. We have Rudy Gobert. It's the <laughs> Eurobasket semifinals, my friend. This is the second quarter. Oh, France up 11, and Gobert gets it in the paint and throws it down. So then later in the second, Gobert defending out on the perimeter. My goodness, swats that shot out of bounds. Let's take another look at that one. Set it with his chest there. Oh! Whoo, my goodness. Rudy Gobert comes up with an absolutely monster block, but this is what Rudy Gobert does. Because right here, comes up with yet another block. Keeps it in bounds this time, though. So France out in transition. Tarpy throws it down, and France went on to win this one big. 95-54. Sizable contributions there from Rudy Gobert. So let's take a look at the 2022 Euro ba- Basket semifinal bracket. We have Spain and Germany going on right now. It is a tight game, Poland and France. And then you can see what's shaken down on Sunday. It will be the winner of that Germany and Spain game taking on Rudy Gobert. So it's after 9 p.m. where that Eurobasket game was. It's getting closer to bedtime there, but it's still early here in the States. So let's do this. I want to debut a new segment. It is called Don't Sleep. Thank you, Mr. Curry, for giving us yet another reason to use your celebration. So, Park, (laughs) this is how this is going to work. Wake up, sir. If there is one player that you do not want people to sleep on this season, who is it and why? Every day I come on here, I got to prove my love. Listen, it's Trey Young. We have to prove every single like season. It. We ha- He has to come into the season proving his love, right? We're talking about a player that led the league last year in total points and total assists. And when you look at the additions that he have around him, not only is Trey Young going to still be dangerous, but the Atlanta Hawks are going to be dangerous. I got them projected making the postseason next year, meaning that they will be a top five team in the Eastern Conference. I just love the pieces that they have around them. I love the addition of Murray. You have a two-way player in DeAndre Hunter. And then you have Collins, who is now starting to stretch his game for us on the offensive end for the spacing to shoot the three-point shot. Then you have everything that you want in the defensive-minded center and Clint Capella. Don't sleep on Trey Young and Atlanta Hawks. Got it. Don't sleep on Trey Young. Not to mention he may have that new dad superpower that we've seen come to fruition in the NBA. Uh, Zach, do you think that the the Hawks are a play-in or a playoff team? 
borderline of those two things. But Perk, I don't think anyone is sleeping on Trey Young. I think we're wide awake. Trey Young made All NBA last year. Everyone knows how good <laughs> Trey Young is. But the East, the East is loaded. You got Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, whatever the hell the Brooklyn Nets are. I think they're still a basketball team. If they are, they're pretty good. Toronto's going to be good. Chicago's up there. <laughs> Cleveland's up there. Making the playoffs is no joke in the East. So I think the Hawks are right in that sort of five to eight group. If they don't make the play in, that's a disaster. But the playoffs are no guarantee. Okay, so don't sleep on Trey Young. Got it. Zach, if there's one team that you don't want people to sleep on, so we did player, team that you don't want people to sleep on this season, who is that and why? We spend so much time on this show talking about the Lakers, talking about the Dunder Mifflin Brooklyn Nets who exist only on paper <laughs> and not as a real basketball team, yeah. talking about the, the Wait, Clippers the, are back, the again? Warriors just won the title. Don't forget the Denver Nuggets who get Jamal Murray back, get Michael Porter Jr. back. This was a conference finals mm. team in the bubble. They have the two-time MVP. When they got Aaron Gordon via trade two seasons ago, they destroyed everything that was in front of them until Jamal Murray tore his ACL. ACL injuries, guys recover from those. It might take Jamal Murray half the season to get back to form. Michael Porter Jr., back injuries are a little bit scary. Put him up as an if. But if he's an if that ends up being a 20 to 25 point scorer, a 6'10 unblockable shooter, the Nuggets are in business in the inner circle of championship contenders, and we never talk about them. We are sleeping on them. Oh, all right. Perk, Perk, what do you think the ceiling is? What do you expect from Jamal Murray this year? You know what? I expect big things. The last time, I mean, that we saw Jamal Murray at his best was in the bubble, in my opinion. I think being away from the game of basketball, and although it was due to injury, you missed the game. And a guy like Jamal Murray, who's a pure hooper, you can't keep him away from the game that long. I think he's going to come back healthy. He had more than enough time to rest. Mm. And I think he's going to come back playing as an all-star caliber guard. Because just remember, Throughout the regular season, Jamal Murray in his in his in his short stint for his career, he hasn't really looked good in the regular season. He always turned it up in the postseason, but I expect us to see an all-star version, 22 points a game a mm. night, maybe 25 around that range, Jamal Murray. So I expect big things from him. Well, not to mention, you said he's had plenty of time to recover. When I was chatting with Michael Malone in the playoffs last year, remember, there was a question of whether or not he was going to come back for those playoffs. That's how physically healthy he was at that point. He just needed a little bit more time to get his mentals right, make sure to get, get you know, in- incredibly strong. He's had an extra several months to do that now. So, so that could be scary. But I want to play this game, too, because... I want to stay in the same conference, but who is the team, Zach, that didn't make the playoffs last year but has a coach that by all accounts is top three in the league? Who's the team that got bounced from the play-in last season but could easily win their conference this year? I'm going to answer my own question. It is the Clippers. I mean, a healthy Paul George, a healthy Kawhi Leonard, a healthy John Wall all back with something to prove. Perk, are you sleeping on the Clippers? No, actually, Malika, they're actually my favorite to win it all this season, to be honest with you. And I'm right there with you. I'm not sleeping. I'm actually wide awake on the Clippers. They're my favorite. All right, so Perk's alarm went off. Zach, did yours? Oh, I'm like six cups of coffee in on the Clippers. I'm running around the room with my eyes wide open. The Clippers have 
like 15 good NBA <laughs> players. Kawhi's back, PG's back. If you want to anoint them the championship favorites, that's hard to argue. It's it's they're right there. Clippers, Warriors, Bucks, Celtics. I mean, I think those start the season as the four best teams in the league. I I absolutely agree. And when we're looking at the way, it's it's hard for me to say. Well, I'm going to give the nod. I explained this last year. I think if it's someone is coming off a championship, if they have the health and the similar roster and the mindset that we know that the Golden State Warriors do, we have to give them the nod, just like we did to the Bucks the year before. But the Clippers, I would not be surprised at all if they are the team that winds up representing the West. We still have so much more to come, though, on NBA Today, including our investigative reporter TJ Quinn is joining us with the latest in bringing Brittany Griner back home. NBA Today will be back after this break. Welcome back to NBA Today. Now to a developing story. In July, Brittany Griner pleaded guilty to drug smuggling charges in Russian court and was sentenced to nine years in prison in early August. And the fight for her release has only grown stronger since that day. Sherelle Griner, Brittany's wife, has been outspoken in the media, begging the White House to help in any way they can. And President Biden did call Sherelle to discuss their plans, but now he is scheduled to sit down and personally meet with Griner's family to assure them his administration is committed to securing Griner's release and that she remains, quote, front of mind. So we now welcome in ESPN investigative reporter TJ Quinn for more on this story. TJ, what exactly does this meeting between the president and Griner's family signal here? Well, in some ways, it's a disappointing development for them. They'd wanted a meeting all along. Uh, but understood that these negotiations are quiet. You don't know what's going on. There was a sign earlier this week when, when everyone learned that former U.S. Ambassador Bill Richardson had gone to Russia to meet with officials. Maybe that was a sign that he could bring back a deal the president could sign off on. But now the fact that they're having this meeting and the White House has said that there's nothing to announce yet, there's some disappointment. I mean, this meeting, it, it's scheduled for late afternoon on a Friday with no press availability. They're looking to, to calm the family down. And her supporters know that what the president is going to ask them for is more patience. So while I would love to say that the purpose of this meeting is to inform the families that uh, the Russians have accepted our offer and, and we are bringing their loved ones home, that is not what we're, we're, we're seeing in, in these negotiations uh, at this time. Well, the family says it understands all of that and that, that they recognize the White House wants them to be patient. But they're also getting to a point where, while they say they still have faith in the president and in the State Department, they're starting to lose some patience and make it more vocal. Mm. So, so what do the families hope to achieve then by being more vocal? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you speak to, to people in the administration, they say, hey, look, we understand the family's frustration uh, and we're working as hard as we can no matter what. We, you know, the, the, the public pronouncements don't really help anything. But for Brittany, Brittany Griner's family, they don't really care. They have one mission, that's to get her back. And they just want to make it clear to the president, we're going to keep putting the pressure on you. So when you have a deal, you need to make it right away. 
And once again, that meeting with the president is today. TJ, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on NBA Today. And in the midst of the WNBA finals, it's clear that the league also wants to keep Brittany Griner in the forefront of public consciousness. The level of support from players in the W and athletes across multiple sports has not waved throughout Griner's detainment. So here's our own Holly Rowe. Not a day. Not a single day goes by without all of us thinking of you. I want to take a moment to reiterate the WNBA support for Phoenix Mercury star Brittany Griner. Please know that getting her home safely continues to be our top priority. Missing you, advocating for you. It's always going to be difficult being around basketball without my wife being present, but I'm just so grateful that everybody in this arena is actually still remembering my wife, even without her being here. When you actually meet with the State Department and the team that's actually working on BG's case every single day, you know, it's basically a call on, on President Biden, on Vice President Harris to do everything they can to get BG back. We miss your dominance on the court, of course. Slam dunk, Brittany Griner! is the smallest piece of what we miss about you. BG, you are funny as hell, sweet, kind, and you would be proud. We do continue to give to others in your name because you taught us how. Every WNBA team in every city pitched in, keeping your spirit of giving strong. Brittany is all of us, a WNBA champion, Olympian, an American. And so we won't rest, we won't stop. Bring Brittany home. We will, of course, continue to follow that story. Still to come, though, here on NBA Today, we're talking millions and billions. Details on Steph's lifetime deal with Under Armour in just 60 seconds. So here are our featured ESPN college football games for tomorrow, highlighted by SEC teams and the number one team in the nation. Georgia takes on South Carolina at noon Eastern at 9 Pacific. And then Brian Kelly and LSU host Mississippi State at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. And then we cap the night with the number 13 Miami and number 24 Texas A&M in College Station. All three games are also available on the ESPN app. A little bit of news out of the yay area. The summer of Steph, it continues. So according to Rolling Stone, Steph has nearly locked a lifetime contract with Under Armour that is worth potentially more than $1 billion. So he's been with the company since 2013 and has since released 12 signature basketball and golf shoes with the Curry 10 set to release next mm. month, of course. So that got me thinking, guys. Steph worth the billion-dollar lifetime contract. I mean, how can you quantify that, Perk? I'm going to start with you here. Well, if if they're giving him a billion, just imagine how much he's making them, okay? That's the yeah. first thing. Second thing, I'm jealous. The <laughs> third thing, he deserves it, right? When you talk about a guy that changed the game of basketball forever, the light-skinned brother with the green eyes, I mean, he is something different. Coming off of his first finals MVP, won the championship. I mean, Steph Curry is basketball. And so when you think about what he's done for the game, yes, he's worth $1 billion. Absolutely. Is he, Zach, the most marketable star in the NBA right now? 
Uh, first of all, I, I didn't know Steph Curry's eye color until Perk just dropped it right there. Well done, Perk. Uh, look, just, just ask yourself, what was Under Armour in the sneaker business before they got Steph Curry? I'm not a sneaker guy, but I think mm -hmm. the answer is not very much. And as for his marketability, yes, Malika, yes, he is. And it's because, for all the reasons we've talked about for years, because of his size and the way he plays, kids can relate to him in a way that they can't relate to Shaq and LeBron and guys mm. who are just bigger than they will ever dream of being. Steph just, you know, is is sort of the people's champ in that regard. All those guys are super marketable, obviously, but now Steph is the guy. People's champ is such a, a great way to put it. All right. We're talking about billions. Oh, there you go. I also want to talk about <laughs> millions here because did you guys hear this? A jersey that was worn by Michael Jordan in game one of the 98 NBA Finals, part of the hallowed last dance season for Jordan, culminated with the Bulls becoming, they reigned victorious over the Jazz. Do you know how much it sold for? It sold for over $10 million. And it's now the most ever paid for a piece of game-worn sports memorabilia. $10 million. And I was actually talking to Roz about this in the break, and at first I was like, $10 million, that's ridiculous. But I suppose if you think about art, and you think about the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, excuse me, Da Vinci, had something that sold for $450 million, <laughs> then I feel like that might be. Anyway, Perk, if you could purchase any game-worn jersey, what would it be? It would be a 2010 NBA Finals Game 7 jersey worn by the late, great Kobe Bryant. Mm. You know why? Because it's, he won his fifth championship, second Finals MVP, his second championship without Shaquille O'Neal. And when you think about the superstars and the Hall of Famers that were competing in that series, you think of Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, KG, and Kobe Bryant. Well, Paul Pierce and KG and Kobe uh, and Ray Allen were all on one team. Kobe was by himself. Mm. Kobe actually willed, willed that team to victory because Boston was actually up by 14 points to start the fourth quarter. And Kobe said, let me get that. So give me Kobe Bryant game seven of the 2010 NBA Finals. What about you, Zach? So this question kind of hijacked my entire day, and I had 10 different answers. I almost went flu game MJ 97 finals, but I thought, what was the single greatest game I ever watched? The most exciting, enthralling, dramatic game, the most tense game. And for me, just as a sports fan, it was Duke, Kentucky, 1992, the Leitner game. You had the to Leitner go shot. for the Thomas Hill weeping cut. on the sideline, Antonio Lang falling to the ground, all of it. And it's a tribute to my pick that I was not cheering for Duke. I would not cheer for Duke today. I was not a Duke guy. There's an entire 30 for 30. <laughs> documentary called I Hate Christian Leitner and yet that game was so amazing so back and forth that I went with Leitner's jersey from that game when he did not miss a shot from the field and they needed every single point to get by a Kentucky team that was way ahead of its time shooting threes is the greatest game I've ever seen. But would that
that appreciate in value really? more over time? You, you I really? don't care, oh, Malika. Okay. That's the wrong question. <laughs> okay. I don't care. I just want okay. the jersey. Well, to be very clear, I don't think that, oh. that my pick would appreciate the most in value over time. And I was thinking, I was like, all right, I got. it has to be Warriors because that's, I grew up watching them. It's the Baron Davis jersey. It is the lift up. Ooh. Steph Curry imitated it. I. It is 2007. Ooh. Oh! I was at that game, and I, I think that I, I that would have to be the jersey that I would go with. I mean, that is a piece of sports history right there. I know, I know, it was it was the Jazz that won, but whatever, it's fine. We can just we can just scoot past that little bit of it. Hey, hey, Perk, how much would you charge me for your game worn finals jersey? Oh no, I, you, you could have it. All right, it is Friday, so we will see you yeah. all on Monday. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. As a reminder, we, we will be back on ESPN2. That's Monday, and we will see you then.